This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Hey, Devin. I know that uh, this time is very exciting for you. Your favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, is coming up. (laughs) So uh, why don't you tell us about what you're most excited about? Go. Well, uh, first, I'd like to say that my birthday comes before Thanksgiving, and that's kind of in the the priority tier. Well, Adam, that's my favorite holiday. (laughs) But you're... Happy Halloween, everybody. We made it. You did it. It's the spookiest week of the whole year. Uh, it's happening. It's I'm so excited. Spookiest time, time of the, of the year. year. This year, I finally decided on a Halloween uh, costume as uh, my sister decided she wanted to go as Sam from Trick or Treat. So I promised that if she goes as Sam, I would answer the door for Trick or Treaters as the evil principal from that movie. So ah. um, when you said Sam, my my brain went to Sam Wise Gamgee. So I thought maybe <laughs> she was going to be Sam and you would be Frodo. That would be cute. But now yeah. she is the, the 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 spooky child from the, that great, great Halloween movie. Um, so whatever you are up to this Halloween weekend, please be safe and smart. Stay socially distant. Wear a mask. Eat all of your Halloween candy while watching scary movies in the comfort and safety of your own home. Yeah, I mean, it's Halloween. It's possibly the best, like, mid-pandemic holiday because it is, you know, it's easy to maintain six feet when you're handing candy. The candy's so cheap this year. Oh, it's also very cheap. And uh, a family friend of mine came up with the idea that you have kind of a shoot. The PVC pipe rig. We are in the process of rigging that outside of my home right now. (laughs) Yeah, and it's very exciting, I would suggest doing that because it seems so fun yeah if uh don't go out and be dumb this weekend because the man in the fields will come and get you yeah and sadly mischief night is canceled y'all it's very sad to us here in the tri-state area the only place apparently that this very good tradition (laughs) happens uh but you know we'll get them next year yeah we'll get you double mischief to make up for the for the loss next year it's gonna be two nights long yeah yeah. So uh, I hope everybody has found fun ways to celebrate the season. Uh, I've been watching tons of horror movies. I carved pumpkins, decorated my house, built a PVC pipe candy shoot. But there's all sorts of events uh, all across the country that tend to happen this time of year. Some uh, which have not been able to go up this year, but others that have gone up with uh, safety measures, et cetera, et cetera, um, that are some cherished um, American Halloween events and traditions. So I thought it'd be fun to see how the rest of the country likes to pop off for Halloween. Cause like we like mischief night, but how's the rest of the yeah. country do it? Pop off for Halloween. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like a, like CVS candy, uh, like yeah. promotion that's trying to it's be a little hip. corporate because <laughs> pop off queen. Happy Halloween. <laughs> so, what Devin? What are some of your favorite um, yearly Halloween traditions besides Mischief Night? Um, Mischief Night is definitely number one. I won't okay. go into it, but when I was a kid, we lived in like a very small, like tight knit little s- suburb, like community. So Mischief Night was very, very big, uh, at least in my tiny, tiny memory from that time. 
I also, uh, there were like a few like haunted like corn mazes and stuff that people mm. would go to, but I wasn't how they say uh, popular or cool or had any <laughs> friends. So I didn't usually go to those, but they seemed neat. The things I associate with like the Halloween season are like those, I don't know if you had these, how, you know, how close to the big old city that you grew up in, but we had like town days, like Montgomery okay. Day and Walden Day. That like were very fall energy that like all the kids would go and there'd be like a fair and some fun like apples with caramel on them and bad carnival rides that would make you sick and uh, pseudo gambling things where you could like bet quarters and I want a goldfish at one of those. Oh, so th- that's that's kind of the energy of Halloween. And that goldfish grew up to be the editor of this podcast. <laughs> that's it's me. The goldfish <laughs> took over my brain and uh, now well, it's the podcast. I thought we would start uh, a little close to home for the two of us so that maybe you can right. make a new Halloween tradition this year if you'd want uh, or next year rather. Um, starting with Sleepy Hollow, New York. Ah! Now, Sleepy Hollow is a real place. I say yes. this because the other day I told this to my brother and he went, I thought it was a made up place like Transylvania. And I said, buddy. I- <laughs> I have news for you. I have two pieces of news for you. (laughs) Yeah, Sleepy Hollow exists. I have friends who have lived there. I think one of my teachers in high school lived there. I've been to Sleepy Hollow many times for these Halloween events. Now, it was first made famous by Washington Irving's 1920. Wait, wait, wait. wait. First, could I do my impression of the MTA officer? Yeah, go ahead. uh, When when you get to Sleepy Hollow on the MTA? Next stop, Sleepy Hollow. Next stop, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, see, you weren't on like the nice white plains line where it went. This is the train to Grand Central. The next station is anyhow. So the Sleepy Hollow was originally made famous by Washington Irving's 1920 short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, about the infamous headless horseman. And fun fact about that short story. So it did moderately well in the U.S. You know, it was it, it wasn't it wasn't big. However, Irving brought the story back to the U.K., where we talked about in the history of Halloween episode, how pumpkins are not native to the uh, England and the British right. Isles. So when they found out about pumpkins, they were obsessed with them. And his short story contained hundreds of illustrations that had pumpkins in them. So when he ah. brought it back to Great Britain, people went dig dang nuts over this big old pumpkin book. And how could they not? Because not only is it a fun story, but there are a lot of pumpkins in them. So yeah. like if pumpkins are your thing, this is, this the, is a good one to story yeah. for you. Yeah. So Sleepy Hollow modern day loves the Headless Horseman. It is their high school's mascot. I have seen it. They have a guy yep. on a horse who comes out during the football games. It's insane. My high school's mascot yeah. was a husk of corn. <laughs> what? Mine was a Viking because nope. we were cool. Corn. And we used the same exact logo as the Minnesota Vikings, but just blue, which I don't think was legal, but we did it anyway. That's the thing, too. And so we were we were the corn huskers. So we weren't even technically the corn. We were the ones. You were the people who husked. Husked corn. it, but they made our mascot corn. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like that. We, we weren't in the same section as Sleepy Hollow in high school, but I think we did. There were certain teams that like would like once in a blue moon face off against sleepy hollow. And I yeah. always thought it was very Same cool. For us. I think we, we, we went, uh, we went against sleepy hollow a number of times, but, um, like we sleepy could barely hollow. afford, 
most of our sports teams and yet they had a horse yeah like a whole horse <laughs> a whole horse they might only do the horse for homecoming i don't know but um so sleepy hollow goes all out for the halloween season they do a full stage play in the woods retelling the story of uh ichabod crane and the headless horseman uh they do a pantomime where the horseman fights a giant pumpkin uh they uh. They do a Halloween parade. Uh, you can go on a literature-themed scavenger hunt on Washington Irving's estate. They do ghost tours. They do cemetery tours. There's also uh, one of my favorite Halloween traditions, the Great Jack-O-Lantern Blaze, which I go to every single year. It's an outdoor walkthrough attraction with 7,000 hand-carved pumpkins and various sculptures and designs. They make tunnels, oh they make windmills, they make a, a merry-go-round and a big old dragon. It's if you ever incredible. like as a as a like New York City resident now, it's very hard to describe what upstate New York is or like the Hudson Valley in New York is like. Uh, and as far north as I grew up, it's it's pretty rural. It's lots of farms and stuff. If you ever like so it's hard to describe that. If you ever need to describe what the area around Sleepy Hollow is like, the the description of a literature themed scavenger hunt on some old rich white man's estate that's that's it. about that's, it that's what the lower hudson valley is yeah you don't need to visit anymore you should still though it's cool. and so of course one of the most notable events for the halloween season for sleepy hollow is uh the headless horseman hayrise and haunted houses which is a 65 65 acre haunted attraction located in ulster park now, it first opened in 1992 and has been running every year since. Uh, this year, they are doing a modified Horseman's Trail drive through attraction this year. So you oh, fun. don't ever leave your car. Uh, this is an amazing experience. Uh, you start with the hayride led by a storyteller as you pass by uh, scenes and various scare actors and they chase your wagon. It's kind of like you stop. It's like kind of a, a moving play sort of deal uh, where you stop to watch scenes and then you get chased by big spooky clowns. Some patrons have been known to jump off the wagon when being pursued, which I feel like is optimally the worst thing that you can do to avoid being chased. Yeah, it seems you're already on a vehicle yeah. that is going away from said horseman. Yeah. Um, so once you, and of course the, uh, the hayride, the, the grand finale is your confrontation with the headless horseman. Uh, once you finish the hayride, there are then five haunted houses, a haunted corn maze, a midway, gift shops, concessions. It is a grand old time in the forest. I've been a handful of times. I think it's one of the best haunts in the Hudson Valley. We're not sponsored by them. I just <laughs> really enjoy them. Yeah, but we should be, we honestly. Should be. It's been uh, consistently rated one of the top 10 haunted attractions in the country by uh Publications like TripAdvisor, Haunt World, and Fangoria Magazine. Ooh. So uh, we'll stay semi-local, as in the uh, as in the New England Northeast area. But we got to take mm. a little bit of road trip to get to our uh, next destination, which is Salem, Massachusetts. I've heard of that one. Now, if you thought Sleepy Hollow went hard for Halloween, Salem goes hard. <laughs> Okay. Salem I mean, goes hard. You know, hashtag, like Team New hey, York in this situation. We, but we've, like, we've all seen Hocus Pocus. We know it. We've all seen Hocus Pocus. We all love it. We all know that they were all robbed of an Oscar. <laughs> we all we know how hard Salem goes on Halloween. Uh, kind of Salem is to witches as uh, Sleepy Hollow is to the Headless Horseman. They are high school mascot are the witches. That's cool. Which is cool. Uh, there's apparently a debate among uh, amongst them. Um, Massachusettsans? Mass what do you call people from Massachusetts? Massholes. 
That's so cruel. I'm so sorry if you're from Massachusetts. What do we call you if you're from Massachusetts? Please tweet at us. Um, but there's a debate amongst the people of Massachusetts as to whether or not the city should play up the whole witch thing or tone it down, which I get because that's understandable. It was a very yeah. real, very dark part of America's history. Right. Of But also it's been hundreds of years and maybe Yeah. Like, it's pretty cool. If y'all can milk it for some extra public, you know, some extra cash to, you know, repave those roads. And yeah, and, and culturally, uh Salem like every Salem's always been known for the witch trials, but it didn't kind of get that huge culture like modern cultural identifier until Arthur Miller's The Crucible. Right. Which kind of reminded Which we everybody. all know. All of us, all of us who were in high school theater know the crucible. Yeah, we've all done it. I did it. Did it junior year of high school. Uh, in my high school, we had a like everybody had to read the crucible in like 11th grade English or whatever. Mm-hmm. And our one of our 11th grade English teachers was uh, her last name was uh, good, good enough. So. OK, you could say I saw good enough with the devil. Oh, very it's cute. Like, uh, That's oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Um, but so uh, there are several memorials uh, around Salem to those who were executed uh, during the witch trials meant to be kind of like a reflection point for the city, but also marking various historical sites uh, relating to the trials. But on Halloween night, people party on Essex Street in costume and folks travel from all across the country and around the world to party on Essex Street in your Halloween costume in Salem. And it's also considered one of the most haunted cities in America. So there is a plethora of ghost tours, historic sites, cemeteries, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Whenever I travel to a new city, I always make a point to go on a ghost tour. Oh, absolutely. I think I, my whole, my, yeah, my whole family moved down south. And so like they're in Savannah, Georgia and near New Orleans and like ghosts, ghosts all over the place. Those, those places are lousy with ghosts. Yeah. And ghost tours like more often than because some people I think think of ghost tours as kind of like, oh, they'll give you like the fake paranormal detector and you're, you're oh, yeah. they'll be like, oh, we see a ghost here. But nine times out of 10, they are very in-depth historical walking tours of the city that will mention. Yeah. And also some people think it's haunted because of this person that died here. Right. And like uh, it gets to a point I was going to bring up, which is like, I, I think the the East Coast, especially like it's the oldest place in terms of like places that had white people settlement <laughs> like for the longest. So we know that there's like so much history like around us and it's things like we don't care. But if there's a ghost involved, you know, we're going to talk oh, about yeah. it. Like that's that's the entry point for a lot of people to like actually get into the interesting history of the places we live. Absolutely. It's cool. And if you're down south in the Florida area, St. Augustine has some great ghost tours because that's one of the, I think, oldest settlement or the oldest uh, settlement in the United States or something. Yeah, I mean, St. Augustine sounds old. It's It's very old and it is allegedly home to the most haunted cemetery in the United States, which is where I saw Mm. my first ghost. Congrats. I took a picture of it on my like 2004, like digital camera and there was a little Ah. blue orb floating in the corner wow it was a ghost. shout out to that blue orb shout out to that blue orb where are you now when i need you <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that song <laughs> anyway i know we just drove all the way down to salem from new york but we have to get back in the car and drive back up to new york because okay, i forgot it seems like a bit of a roundabout thing but okay i know but i forgot about one of the best halloween events ever which is new york's village halloween parade Oh, I just, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, 
it's yeah, fine. Yeah, that we're yeah, gonna yeah, try. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, unfortunately, canceled for only the second time ever uh, this year. Uh, it was canceled after Hurricane Sandy and almost closed after Hurricane Sandy. But uh, New Yorkers raised enough money to like pay for what the funds that the parade would have brought in that year. And then it kept going. That's what we do. Cause New Yorkers rock. Um, but so this parade started in 1973 by a uh, Greenwich village puppeteer, Ralph Lee of the Meadowee river theater company. Um, when it is the world's largest Halloween parade and New York city's only night parade. We do a lot of parades in New York city. This is the only yeah. one that's at night. <laughs> it's the only one at night <laughs> um so uh, this is very sad specifically for me because during college i hated this parade because it meant that around halloween i couldn't get back to my gosh darn dorm this because is of all the halloween stuff going on and this, this is, is the, the first the year of my life yeah this is the first year of my life in which i live nowhere near it and i could have enjoyed it yeah i lived my sophomore year i lived in a dorm uh actually the same dorm as Devin, not the same room but we were in the same building um and the the uh parade was r- the 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 street behind our building it was insane it's the worst. i couldn't even see it from my window i was so mad i digress um so the the parade started as kind of a independent project for this theater company and then grew quickly throughout the 1970s and even won an obie award in 1975 which is like the off oh, yeah. broadway version of the tonys um so as crowds got bigger and bigger to gather for this parade the route got longer and it now stretches uh, a mile and a half what's really cool about this parade is it's not like the saint patrick's day parade or pride or anything where it's like corporate sponsored or uh, I, it's not even really like government sponsored to my knowledge. It's literally a huge spontaneous events, individual marchers. You don't have to register or sign up uh, to walk this parade. You can just join on at any point of the route. They just That's let the you. It's kind of parade. So people just walk in costume and feel like a, a, a fancy parade person all night there's also group floats um and yeah it's it's not like a corporate sponsored event it's all independent new yorkers artists the people's parade the people's parade and it's led by these gigantic uh, gorgeous puppets that represent the theme uh for that year's parade um after the september 11th attack the main puppet was a phoenix rising from the ashes so they're always something kind of indicative of um new yorkers or what has been going on in the city that year i adore the village halloween parade i try and go every single year i had such a good halloween last year i went to the village halloween parade and then right after we did a midnight screening of uh, rocky horror and chelsea oh that's like the ultimate new york halloween it was good i will say though getting from downtown where the parade is up to chelsea took like an hour and which half. is not even that far it's up. not like far it's you not, could probably walk downtown that. you could walk that in like half an hour 45 minutes took us an hour and a half yeah ridiculous um anyway yeah but i love it because it's by new yorkers for new yorkers all are welcome and it really cultivates a sense of like community in the village i think oh yeah you know like you never feel yeah. bad for going to the parade like by yourself you're gonna make friends at the parade yeah and it is like like you said, it's like the most New York parade out of all the ones we have. Like most of our parades are annoying, corporate sponsored, awful, or a combination of the three. <laughs> this one is like was created by a puppet, uh, a, a puppet, <laughs> a one puppet. A puppet, one puppet with uh, a dream. 
it was created by uh like a ventriloquist like a puppet per- like a person a puppeteer who makes a puppeteer is the word you're uh, thank looking you, for thank you thank you thank you it was made by a puppeteer in the 70s just living in the village like that's the most new york thing that you could have oh yeah you know? it's cool um so as a similar event, if we head over to the west coast of uh, the United uh, States, we have to get on a plane, which is not a good idea right now. No, don't get on a plane right now. Um, but so Halloween in the Castro in San Francisco, Ooh. Um, which I think is a very kind of a similar vibe to the uh, New York Village Halloween Parade. Um, the in the Castro district district of San Francisco, uh, the event began in the 1940s as just a single costume contest. And by the 1970s, it had grown to one of the biggest queer celebrations outside of Pride in San Francisco. Hell yeah. I thought you were going to say it began in in the 1940s or just like a single dude. Like, one man, just, one man. He was party in the really hard. He went happy Halloween. <laughs> and he, like, that's how it started. So it began where um, kind of the gay scene of San Francisco was first centralized in the 1950s, which is the uh, Tenderloin, as it's known, or the Polk Polk Street area. Uh, The area was famous for mainstream gay bars, as well as uh, underground BDSM and leather clubs and the famous Folsom Street Fair, which is like a leather fair. Um, The Tenderloin uh, thing that Folsom City Blues is based off the song. <laughs> and don't look that up. That's a fact. Don't look it up because it's and a fact. don't look up that that song is called Folsom Prison Blues. No, it's a scene no, now. No, it's actually. Good. Don't look that up. Um, the Tenderloin was uh, especially was known for welcoming trans women, drag queens and sex workers who at the time were often not welcome in kind of the mainstream gay scene. So this was like the underground of of the underground mainstream gays. We're always the worst. Sorry about that. Uh, Throughout the 60s and 70s, Halloween in this area got bigger and bigger uh, with many queer tourists traveling from around the country to celebrate as it was one of the few places in the country you could do so. Um, And many sex workers relied on those tourists for a large chunk of their income. So it became a huge financial thing for this district of San Francisco as well. Um, And as the Castro grew in prominence for uh, San Francisco's gay scene, uh, the Halloween festivities were moved there in 1979. Um, So there are cultural reasons, I think, why Halloween is such a big holiday for queer people. Um, Because... Starting with the holidays, kind of pagan roots, because there's this inherent connection to those who feel ostracized by mainstream religion and such. Yeah, and, you know, gays love gays love having multiple gods, you know? Yeah. Um, and also the ability to dress up and be flamboyant when on other nights of the year that would be unacceptable or even dangerous. Right. The, the link between uh, Halloween as a chance to not only like perform and dress up, but to be somebody that you're not, whether that was or or dress up as somebody in in whose personality you felt closer to who you actually yeah. were has like such deep roots to not only most clearly drag culture, but uh, like just gay people in general getting yeah. to dress up as something more flamboyant than your normal self. Feels good. So many Halloween gays I know say like, oh, I am wearing a costume the other 364 days a year, which is like funny to say, yeah, but like we it's all, true. We all know it's a bit cringe, but it is good. It's true. It's 2020 um, cringe culture is dead. So we can yeah. cringe and then be like, oh, that's true. Um, so the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a performance uh. troupe uh, that uses drag to criticize gender and sexuality intolerance, plays a huge part 
in the city celebration. Um, in 1989, two weeks after San Francisco was devastated by a 6.9 magnitude earthquake, the sisters raised thousands of dollars for relief efforts through donation buckets uh, during the Halloween celebrations. Um, and the years following, they kind of came to oversee the event and continued to uh, raise money for AIDS charities throughout the late 80s and early 90s. Um, they are amazing. They still like they still exist. They still perform. Oh, yeah. And the name Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence just like go off like that is so yeah. good. That's the best name for anything ever of all time. So uh, unfortunately, with the size and the publicity of the event, violence and gay bashing have occurred, including incidents in 2002 and 2006 uh, with the event in 2006, causing the event to be canceled for the first time ever. And the event itself, it was so so massive that it did kind of become just a general safety hazard which like if you imagine whatever your local city is just like at least 25 streets just completely closed because they are packed with people who are drinking yeah it's it was absolutely huge. So by 2010, the city had cracked down completely on Halloween in the Castro uh, with the city government refusing to close streets and instead splitting up the events to smaller balls and parties and celebrations that were happening in other places. So that we didn't have to shut yeah. down like the entire district. Um, this was mostly due to the size of the event. However, there are still videos up on YouTube of the event before they kind of split it up. Look it up just to see how massive and insane Halloween in the Castro was. Yeah. And I'll make, you know, let's uh, take a, a brief pause from this podcast and go into my podcast within a podcast, which is Devin's special soapbox. Bring back Halloween at the Castro. The argument that it's like a big public safety hazard to have a bunch of people publicly drinking is something that does not hold up in any other city with any other sexuality of the main patrons of the people going there. Savannah completely shuts down for St. Patrick's Day and everybody is drinking and crowded and belligerent and sometimes violent and the government doesn't do anything to stop that. So that argument is just kind of crap and you should allow the Castro to happen again. Who the hell cares that you have to shut down 25 streets, do it and make sure that it happens safely. That's just like really annoying to yeah like one of our biggest events like the biggest gay like pride event i guess outside of pride Mm -hmm. is the castro like just like stop being stupid and you know people responsibility people still kind of like they partied up in the castro around halloween every year anyway right um so in a future where it's safe to do that if you are in the area try halloween in the castro check it out it is party a real good time So I also want to talk about two uh, very cool, very massive haunted attractions that uh, go up seasonally around the Halloween season. The first. Okay, where are we going? uh, The first we're going to Reading, Pennsylvania. Back on the plane. We should have have done this all in one direction. (laughs) I know it should have been a different order. Um, But so we are going to head to Shocktoberfest. Ooh, I like that. Is that just a kind of it's a. Oktoberfest, but only for Shock Top, the citrus flavored beer. <laughs> only for Shockacon. <laughs> it's Shockacon and Shock Top beer. It's Shockacon's <laughs> sponsored event. He does a keynote speech about the the benefits of Shock Top beer. Oh God, I love Shockacon. I love her. Anyway, 
Um, so Shocktoberfest is a huge haunt that's been featured on the Travel Channel and Vangoria and all sorts of uh, publications. It's pretty much. Hey, hey s- wait, pause. Yeah. I somehow confused ShakaCon with Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> no. So I just want. No. The, the reason that I said he does a keynote speech was I was picturing Shao Kahn. <laughs> I was talking speech, about the Papanar and VI Khan, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. So it's it's both of them. They yeah. both do an this event. This is for three things. <laughs> this is for three things. Shaka Khan, Shao Khan, and Shock Top. <laughs> so Shaktoberfest is pretty much like a seasonal haunted amusement park with different themed areas, different attractions, houses, games, Tomorrowland, Frontierland, yeah. Fantasyland. Yeah. Um, so they do escape rooms, zombie paintball, zombie laser tag, midway games, haunted zombie houses. Zombie checkers, zombie <laughs> chess, zombie shuffleboard. I would love zombie <laughs> shuffleboard. Zombie shuffleboard is like you play it with the heads. You know what you would call it? Shambleboard. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank trademark, you. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Um, they have DJs. They have a live Rocky Horror Picture Show. They do a zombie mud run some years. They have uh, absolutely everything. Adam, if that's back next year, we are going and doing it's, a zombie mud run. <laughs> so the event started in 1991 with a single hayride. Just one gentle hayride. Just one hayride. It was one family and one <laughs> underpaid 16-year-old whose job it was to drive the... The yeah, hay, the haymobile. It has now grown to one of the largest events in the United States. So some uh, attractions I'd like to highlight. The Prison of the Dead, which is a 50,000 square foot haunted attraction that takes 30 minutes to walk and or crawl through. We have too much room, you know. <laughs> Like, I just think we as a country have too much room. For context, if you're not like a haunted attraction person, a house at Halloween Horror Nights takes maybe five to seven minutes to walk through if it's not super crowded. Yeah, like our... Not even, sometimes. The haunted house that we were associated with at the Renaissance Fair, probably each house probably took five minutes. Yeah. Like, that's wild. 30 minutes. That's a whole episode of like... And why do they crawl through it? uh, There are portions where you... The crawling's the only option. Mm. That's a no. That's going to be a no for me. <laughs> no? Why? No, because read the next thing. Because that's my thing. Okay. The other attraction uh, that is probably most famous at Shocktoberfest, uh, except for the third one, but this one is the Zombie Safari Hayride, which is where you sit on a hayride and shoot zombies with paintballs. I'm in. See, like, that's come me. on. That's all me. It's so cool. That's so cool. But... Shocktoberfest is most famous and infamous for the almost naked and scared challenge. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you must be over 18 to experience this particular attraction. You sign a waiver. A guy named Russ McCain no. comes and he says that it's totally this, fine. This is insanely tamer than McCain Manor. Okay. Um, but so okay. visitors uh, sign waivers and they were originally... Uh, able to choose to either go through or in their underwear or totally nude. Okay, I'm coming back around. However, <laughs> I'm, b- I'm back on board. When this attraction was first announced in 2013, the nude option was canceled like seven days before. Oh, I'm back out. Uh, I'm before back out. opening. Because apparently from what I read, Shocktoberfest was in their legal right to do it, but their local authorities were really pressuring were like, them hey. of like, maybe don't 
So yeah. they were like, better safe than sorry. You can only go through in your underwear. <laughs> better safe than sorry. You can have one layer of clothing. Yeah. One layer of flimsy. They can be the thinnest. What they didn't tell you is you could go through with a caveman esque, just a string and a small like <laughs> flap, like in that SpongeBob episode. Cloth. Yeah. Um, they are not right. The Walsh Oktoberfest is open this year, uh, modified for uh, COVID safety protocols. Mm. The uh, almost naked and scared challenge is not open this year. Also, I mean that one I, makes sense. That- honestly, so I tried to picture going through a haunted house in my underwear, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But not the worst thing in the world. For some reason, no. going through a haunted attraction with only my underwear and a mask on is very frightening to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that does add a certain layer. What I was going to that that really. Yeah, that actually makes me very uncomfortable. It's strange, here in my right? home. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to what I was going to suggest is that the you know, we're getting a lot of science back about the the uh, different ways that COVID can transfer, you know, like surface transmission is not uh, a threat according to most scientists, even though it can survive. You know, I, even though the science is not back on naked human transmission, I'm going to say that that's a good choice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that saying, that saying even socially distanced, even in a mask, maybe having a bunch of nude people running through. Just, yeah, just keep your clothes on. Too much. Like that, that's a bit much. Yeah, Shocktoberfest seems like an absolute blast. Um, I would love next year to make up for all the haunted attractions I didn't go to this year. I'm just going to do like a a statewide tour. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. Yeah, and Shocktoberfest is definitely on that list. Um, So the last event that I would like to talk about, and perhaps one of the most infamous in all of the country, besides McKamey Manor, is the House of Shock. Now. This is also a it's a also a collaboration between Shao Kahn, Shaka Khan, and Shock Top. Yeah. Um, so I've been wanting to talk about the House of Shock for a while, but I never really got like the chance to. So here we go. The House of Shock was an extreme haunted attraction formerly located in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, okay. it was originally opened in 1992 by the front man of Pantera. <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it started in a backyard, but after two years, it became way too big. It was first moved to his grandmother's backyard and then to a warehouse. Because, gra- you know, Granny's got a ranch, so she's yeah. got a lot of space. Um, so the House of Shock was absolutely notorious while it was open and running, known for its gore, violence, and most famously, their room in their, uh, a room in their house based on the Church of Satan. Like the actual Church of Satan? No, like the idea okay, of that, the Church of Satan, not okay, like gotcha. the actual like, religious organization. Yeah, the idea that that room would be pretty tame. Yeah, I would say <laughs> it probably would just be a, about free will or whatever they a do. A satanic church probably yeah. is more like, but right, this is right, also right. like when the Church of Satan had slightly less prominence than they do now. Not that they really have too yeah. much prominence now, but yeah, they're the not, idea yeah. of like a satanic, an evil church, air quote, air quote. Yeah. Now, this caused quite a stir in the community of New Orleans. Um, and led to hundreds of religious protesters outside of the attraction every year, claiming that the house and the organization was obviously a front for the Church oh, of Satan. That I like that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's something that can only happen in a kind of a, a place like New Orleans, where the uh, like religious community and the kind of haunted community are actually pretty healthily intertwined and supportive mm-hmm. of each other. That like that like you put a house. You put a, a room with the Church of Satan. They're like, no, 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 no. There's a treaty between our two groups that you have. You, you have 
You have violated it. Um, so uh, one scene involved a fake sacrifice and led many of those groups to believe that a live baby had been sacrificed inside the attraction. <laughs> okay. This is well, not true. Why? However, well, the, uh, duh. however okay. wait, wait, no, wait. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Don't say that. I'm going to say it. The scene did involve a real baby. However. <laughs> oh, my God. What the, baby? The baby was the son of a cast member, Holly Coleman, who was the only one. Like, she had the baby with her during the scene. I would hope. And, like, no other actor touched this baby. And uh, they, the attraction claims that the baby was perfectly safe the entire time. And the, from what I've read, the kid and the family all seem fine today. So... <laughs> Now listen. Well, they don't tell. They don't tell you the baby is possessed by Satan, but that's like a separate. <laughs> listen, that happened outside of the haunted house. It wasn't involved. I don't agree with these religious protesters. However, if I was walking through a haunted attraction and I saw what I thought was a real baby, I'd also probably get freaked out. I, I am also anti babies in haunted houses. What? Like, not again, not from like a religious standpoint or anything like that. If I'm in a haunted house and I see a baby, I go, "That baby should be in bed." It's What's a that, baby that baby doing baby here? Baby. What's that baby doing here? <laughs> um, hey, who it, let that baby in here? <laughs> in the late 1990s, a church group actually broke into the attraction during the day oh. and sprinkled holy water all over the church room. Oh, that's fine. In order to absolve it, I guess. Thank you. Um, Thank and you, now, church group. The House of Shock responded to protests by planting their own fake protesters outside during protests. And then during mm. the house's opening ceremonies, they would have these fake protesters like convulse and then pass out slash die during the opening ceremony. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Good job. Yes. <laughs> like this is That's such, how you do it. This is crazy town to me. That is so like 90s haunted yes. or like horror community energy we were just talking about how or like me and my brother were just talking about how much i miss like horror movie trailers from the 90s that were like you will not make it out of this theater like yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, kind yeah. of stuff like this is that very like, late 90s and like very they know like everybody's in on the joke except for the people who are the butt of the joke who are for all intents and purposes, just being tight asses about it. Like William Castle thing. is like quaking in his boots right now. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So the house was uh, <clears throat> also famous in the haunt community for having an insanely close knit cast, often made up of huge extended families who worked at the house for decades. They would have wedding, yes. like everyone who worked there would have their wedding or their like baby shower, like at the house, at the church of Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were and have the satanic baby presiding over because yeah. he was an ordained minister, but a minister for Satan. But, um, unfortunately, the house did permanently close in 2017, not for any particular reason other than its time had just come. Yeah. Um, you know, the Satan baby was about to come of age and they needed that money to support his rise to power. Yeah. Um, and it was replaced with an attraction. House. It was a place with replaced with an attraction called New Orleans Nightmare, which I've heard is similar, but it is not the House of Shock. Mm. So, yeah, shock. that that this has been our, our little tour of uh, some of America's best, coolest, most interesting and most frightening Halloween traditions. Well, that was a great episode, Adam. Thank you so much. If you did enjoy this episode of The Great American Scream, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow us on Spotify. But the best way to spread the word about the show is to tell a friend about it, whether they are somebody who loves to get spooked at haunted houses or in the movie theater or wherever you get your spooks. You should tell them about it. 
We also launched our Patreon, which you probably heard a little ad for earlier in the show. But uh, we would love it if you checked that out. There are tons of perks available for you to get if you are able to financially support the show. Adam, can you pimp our social medias, please? Yes, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at The Great American Scream or on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Uh, please send us your favorite Halloween events and traditions in your area. Um, you can post or tweet at us using the hashtag TGAS. And if there is uh, something you'd like to hear about on the show, uh, please send it to us, tweet it at us, because your suggestion may become a topic for a future episode especially if you are a part of a local halloween event or haunted attraction if you want us to talk about your attraction on our show let us know hit us up yeah and a special thank you goes out to michael segudo who does the intro for the podcast and to stevie viola who does the intro and outro music we also would like to especially thank our current patrons at all levels because we only have a few right now just totally fine but a thank you goes out to Gail, Joyce, Brucker, Melinda, and Chris. So thank you so much. I have been Devin Wright. I have been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked. Have a safe Halloween, everybody. Send us your yes. costumes. Trick, lest you be no treat. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> lest you no trick, lest you give me treat. Safely. 